Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, August 17th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini, and... She's back. She's back. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a me, Grace. Aki. Um, back from London. Thank you for covering me over on the trip. Uh, literally saw as much theater as I possibly could within 48 hours. I can't believe that happened. Um, went with my friend Kara, did a spur of the moment. Let's go see a bunch of things, even though we were meant to just see the closing performance of Groundhog Day at the Old Vic. They extended a week, so we did not see the closing performance of Groundhog Day at the Old Vic. Um, but that's okay because we were uh, really excited to pack in a couple other shows. We did two, 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 and uh, which is, is that like how the, you pronounce the show's name? I've, I, I wasn't think it's sure if two twenty two. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, you know, it's it's kind of like a like an Agatha Christie modern, like just like a oh, ghost story, yeah. uh, which is cute. And then uh, we I, here's the thing. This is when we went a little rogue. Kara, my dear friend who is like making a bunch of like life things happen for her, getting married, all that good stuff, family stuff. And, bought a house, um, yeah. Bought a ha- yeah, like doing all the big things in life and turns to me and says, oh, Matilda's playing here? I never saw that. And she said that to the wrong person because oh. I immediately was like, Kara, I love the show so much. We have to Tim mention the entire weekend. Yes. We 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 literally have to do this. And it's still selling like hotcakes. And I don't know how we got it to happen, but thank you to the TKTS booth and the people there um, for, for squeezing us in. We were in separate rows. And then I said, no, we can make this work. I can make this work. You go sit down. I'm going to finagle it and hope to God that somebody is by themselves as well and will want a closer seat. We were able to trade. And so Kara and I could sit together and cry um, really hard yeah. uh, next to the people. With It truly was such an magical thing and I I'm so excited but the the main reason for being there also was to see Cabaret and to see Mason Alexander Park as the MC and the the critics are correct they are really incredible it, you would be so lucky if you are over there or making your way to Edinburgh right now take a stop and see them before the end of their run I think that they've got another six weeks left in this run before Jake Shears and Rebecca mm-hmm. Taylor take over but um Wow. I'm really, there's actually no words because it was just really phenomenal. So go go see them. I, I do wonder if because of the strikes and stuff, obviously Mason is very busy on screens, whether it is with Quantum Leap or Sandman or whatever. But like, I know they've been on Broadway because they were the standby for Hedwig in Hedwig and the Angry Angel. They've actually never had their Broadway debut. They did the Broadway tour of Hedwig. Because I agree with you. How have they not been on Broadway? <laughs> right. They're amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, so good. So that's great. I know Kara saw some other shows as well. I saw it before you got there. So a really great theater trip for both of you. Very excited about all of that. And uh, hopefully, you know, some of those things that you loved will come over here and uh, we'll get to see them stateside sooner rather than later. We know Cabaret is coming, but maybe 222, which had its... I think it had its North American premiere out in California. I think Anna Camp might have been in it, if I'm thinking correctly. But very exciting. We will see what happens with all of that. Grace did not do travel logs, but maybe we can get her to do some on her next trip to London. If you if we do, you can hear those over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Grace, let's get into the news. And the biggest story of Wednesday is the fact that the new musical adaptation of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil has set its world premiere production. It will play next summer at Chicago's Goodman Theater. Goodman Theater, 
busy with some uh, Chicago to Broadway transfers. Was, we'll talk about that at some point, I'm sure. But the show is written by Taylor Mack, who wrote the book, and music and lyrics is by Jason Robert Brown. It is set to begin performances on June 25th of next summer to run through August 4th. Uh, it is being directed by Rob Ashford and choreographed by Tanya Burrell with sets by Christopher Orham. Of course, casting will be announced at a later date, but don't forget all of the incredible stars that were involved with this during its most recent industry readings. We had Jay Harrison G., Steve Pasquale, Austin Colby, Amber Gray, Jennifer Laura Thompson, Harriet Harris, Paul Alexander Nolan, and others. Who knows how many of those people will actually do the production in Chicago, Grace? But when you get that type of talent in for an industry reading, it tells me two things. One, it's obviously coming to Broadway. And two, the material is probably really good. And obviously all of those folks probably want to work with JRB and Taylor Mac. But like the, the material is probably pretty decent if all those people are in the room together and they want to be involved with this this early in uh, in the developmental process. Oh, 100%, especially with the timeline and the announcement and whatnot. Like it just it feels apropos that they're you know, making moves quickly. That's what all of these shows are, are trying to do now. Everybody's, you know, racing to, you know, they're out of town because as we've learned in the past year, out of towns are back to, even though the theaters are, are struggling out there, um, it it has, it, that has been one of the biggest takeaways that I have noticed within, um, especially like the critiques of, of all the shows is that they would have benefited from an out of town. Um, and mm-hmm. so we might be going back to to norm for that. Um, I'm, you know, unsure a lot of shows are saying like, we're ready, we're ready because they've got like theater secured. But that always hasn't, you know, that that's just recently not not been um, incredibly fruitful for everybody. But I know that every show is different. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's re- mm-hmm. really smart. And I also have to say, like, the Goodman Theater, God bless them. Like I, you know, some of some of the greatest theater and sometimes better theater than anywhere else is in Chicago. So um, I'm really excited to see whatever uh, pans out and hopefully I can see this. My goodness. Yeah, that would certainly be I- exciting. I mentioned the fact that this probably won't be the only show transferring from the Goodman to Broadway. Probably by the time uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil actually takes the stage in Chicago, there will already be a show from the Goodman on Broadway. They recently closed the Who's Tommy at the Goodman. And I, you know, I would not be surprised if at any day we get an announcement about that transferring. I think that that is not a secret. I feel pretty confident that everyone understands that this will be on Broadway probably this season. Uh, and I would imagine we could get an announcement anytime in the next few days, in the next few weeks, in the next few months, anytime before the end of the year, I'd imagine we will have an announcement about Tommy coming to Broadway, maybe at the same theater that it played last time it was on Broadway, but we will see about that. Grace, I do. I mentioned this yesterday when I was talking about um, grosses and some things, but when we're talking about shows filling in theaters, like there's a lot of theaters that are empty right now and a lot of theaters that appear, at least for now, to be empty for the fall. And that's concerning to a lot of people. When I was in New York, I talked to a lot of folks, friends who are actors, friends who are in the industry. And it's it's a little concerning. You know a little bit more about the developmental pipeline of shows for things. Is it just there are all these shows that want to come in? Is it just they're trying to get the timing right? Is it they don't want to come in during the summer at the end of the summer when they've kind of missed the big tourist bump? So they're going to wait for the holidays. What is leading to having at this point, I believe it's 16 theaters that are empty right now. 
I think I think a lot of it comes down to probably relationships that exist within, you know, certain companies. Like uh, if if one producer knows that they are going to be working within a Niederlander house or a Schubert or, you know, ATG slash or whatever that is, you know, I I, I think that it just it's so dependent on which organization has the theater that they want and what the timelines yeah. look like there. And it's a, like a waiting game um, that just seems to be what what. I feel uh, is is kind of in 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 the vein of watch and wait and wait and watch. And it just feels like people just want the house that they want and um, not so much the timing anymore like it used to be. You know, we, we used to have just shows trying to come out in the spring for that Tony push. Right. And now, you know, you had Kimberly Kimbo last year who came in in the fall and then was still able to to. Um, win big and then uh you've got some things opening this summer and you know back to the future knew that they are a summer blockbuster hit so like do that when tourism's in town i think it all really vacillates i, I don't i think it's the wild west like i've said so i don't i don't yeah. i don't think that anybody's got a clear picture on it but i do think that it has a lot to do with um which which home that they want to put that show in and where they think that that's going to be the most successful yeah i mean we talk so much about timing for shows coming in it, it, we don't always talk about how important the venues are, but it's tough to get a hit at the Niederlander. It's almost impossible to get a hit at the marquee. Like there are shows that work better for various reasons, whether it's foot traffic or whether it's the size, but those are important things to consider. All right, let's move on to some other news here. Yesterday it was announced that Moulin Rouge, the musical on Broadway, will be welcoming in a new Santiago, and that will be Gabe Martinez, who actually originated the role in the first national tour. He will be replacing Ricky Rojas, my recent guest here on Broadway Radio. Ricky will play his final performance on September 10th. Then Gabe is actually taking over on October 10th. In the interim four weeks, Alexander Gil Cruz and Ricardo A. Zayas will play the role of Santiago in their stead. In other news yesterday, the Public Theater announced a special one-night-only performance happening at the Delacorte Theater on September 6th in Central Park. It is being called a brief intermission. It will celebrate the venue's 61-year history because... The venue is going to be closing for a little bit, as we've talked about before, for some important revitalization purposes. They've announced some of the people that will be participating, including Lin-Manuel Miranda, Christopher Jackson, Freestyle Love Supreme. Obviously, all of that Hamilton-related crew has a lot of deep roots with the public theater. That will certainly be a very, very exciting night for everybody. If you would like tickets, you can head to publictheater.org, and proceeds will help the public theater's revitalization of the Delacorte and the organization's mission of providing a home for artists who give voice to the issues of our time. All right, this is a very cool thing happening, Grace. The upcoming Broadway premiere of Gutenberg the Musical has announced that when its box office opens this Friday, August 18th at 10 a.m., they will have a special deal for the first 50 people in line at the James Earl Jones Theater. The show will allow the first 50 people in line to randomly pick their own ticket price from the show's soon-to-be signature trucker hat, and with the help of a very special guest. And in the press release, it actually says, hint, it rhymes with Fandrew Frannels. So uh, I'm guessing it's not Josh Gad, but it sounds like you're going to be able to actually pick your ticket to draw one of four ticket price options from the hat. The prices will range anywhere from 624 which represents 
Johann Gutenberg's birthday of June 24th. 1448, the year Gutenberg, Gutenberg invented the printing press. 22, the last copy of a complete Gutenberg Bible was auctioned off for $2.2 million or $36. There are only 48 known remaining copies of the complete Gutenberg Bible. Of those remaining copies, 36 are printed on paper. So there you go. Um, very fun. Love those kind of things. Very exciting. Very cool way to not only get people excited to come buy tickets on the first day the box office is open, but also grace things that are much more in your world. Uh, bring some attention to it because it's a fun, kooky thing. Not only does the press release get some attention, but obviously there will probably be some pretty important social media components to that as well. Yeah, they're a month out from performances. I really can't wait to see the show. Um, I've been excited about it for a while, so we'll have to see. But I, you know, these box office opening events generate really great buzz and is pretty much one of the only times in that early process that you're able to get some uh, that that low of a smaller accessible ticket amount. So mm -hmm. um, I think that any any stunts that anybody's willing to do here, I know it's it's a really tedious process for um, the ticketing in the box office situation. So hats off to them and pun intended uh, uh -huh. for, for them to allowing that to happen. Very cool. Uh, all right. I've got a few recommendations, but here's the thing. One of them I'm going to mention, but I don't know anything about it. And I'll get to that here in a second. The first one, though, is one that I can recommend wholeheartedly. And that is from the social media accounts of the upcoming company national tour. Uh, the show's star, Brittany Coleman, has kind of been busy doing the Beetlejuice thing on tour, but on one of her off nights last week, she went to Chicago to be a part of their season launch campaign for Broadway in Chicago. And she sang Being Alive. So that is in the show notes. Really tremendous. Uh, I think she's incredible and I cannot wait to see her. The show is not coming to uh, Orlando, but last week I... So I bought, I, I did like the membership of the theater in Tampa so that I could make sure that I got tickets as soon as they went on sale. So I have a ticket to see it when it comes to Tampa. Very well might end up buying another one. But uh, so I will definitely be checking Brittany Coleman out. Can't wait to hear about the rest of that cast. I've heard some pretty fun rumors. Don't know if, how many of them are true, but uh, excited to see what happens with that one. The next recommendation, though, comes from Only Murders in the Building. I am not caught up. I have not watched this week's episode. But I do know that there's a musical number that features Meryl Streep and Ashley Park. It was written by Sarah Bareilles, Benj Pasek, and Justin Paul. I have not watched this. I don't want to know anything about it until I watch the episode, which hopefully I'll be able to do tonight, Wednesday night after we're recording. It's called Look for the Light. That's all I know. I know nothing else. But we have the video in the show notes if you want to check that out. Grace, I don't think you've watched any of the episodes of this season yet, have you? Or at least you hadn't last time we talked. No, I want to watch TV so bad. I've been so busy. I, I can't know. wait to watch this. I hope the next time we record, I am gushing about Only Murders in the Building, as I always am. Um, what a lovely, brilliant show, and I'm so glad that it's in the world. But I can't wait to to do this now, as soon as we're done recording. Yeah, the first few episodes are really good. I, I, I really liked it. Um, and then the last thing here, Grace... This is not a recommendation, but it is something that I want to call to people's attention. Uh, our friend Kobe Castle, who is the editor-in-chief over at Theaterly, posted something on social media. And the, the, the tweet says, Water for Elephants gear spotted on 44th Street this morning. And it's a picture of a big road case with like music equipment. It just says Water for Elephants. And then underneath it, it just says Band Rack. I was trying to figure out where this is located. I think the picture is... 
It's on 44th. I think it's across from the Broadhurst, which means that would be in front of the St. James Theater. Obviously, we know what's going into the St. James Theater. So obviously, Water for Elephants isn't going in there right now. Uh, maybe they're storing stuff there. But I did think it was interesting that they were bringing this equipment ostensibly from the Alliance Theater in Atlanta and bringing it to Broadway rather than storing it somewhere else. I don't know um, exactly why. I We do know that Isabel McCullough, who was the star of Waters for Elephant, Water for Elephants in Atlanta, is getting ready to take over the role of Maisie in Shucked on Broadway beginning on September 8th. Is Water for Elephants coming to Broadway? Almost certainly it's coming to Broadway. It had really good reviews out of town. The, the, the point was always to bring it to New York. Is it coming this season? I don't know. Is it coming this fall? I don't know. But the fact that there is equipment for the show literally in Midtown Theater District on the streets being loaded in somewhere. It's curious. It's curious. Um, I, I don't want to speculate beyond that, but it is something to keep an eye on. And I thought it was important to make sure that y'all were aware of that. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me basically anywhere at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me eating oysters on my Instagram at Dude, It's Grace Hockey. That thing was the size of your head. It was, and it tasted terrible. <laughs> and I love oysters, but my good. Yeah, I, I would never eat an oyster. I know that just looks so disgusting. But that thing was gigantic. I was very impressed. And I was very impressed with how they did the chocolate strawberries, too. Like, that seems very smart. I've never seen that before. That was unreal. But here's the thing. Here's what I didn't tell you on the video. And please watch. Um, you got to eat them quick because it hardens so fast. I got halfway through and I needed to take a break. I took like 10 steps and then I was like, let me get back in there. And it was hard as a rock. So <laughs> if you're going to do it and go to Burrow Hall and go to Edinburgh and go see Mason Alexander Park in uh, Cadbury, you got to get the chocolate covered strawberries the end yeah i'm not a big chocolate covered strawberry fan so i'll, I'll pass on yeah. those but they it kind of like it ferments like if you don't eat them like if you eat them fresh they're probably pretty good but like if you get them at the store or something mm. they kind of ferment a little bit i don't i don't like it i'm not a big strawberry fan i don't eat chocolate but you know tune in yeah. next week when matt and i talk about food matt does like mm, it's limited uh <laughs> all right everybody have a great thursday we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow